We were meant to have a guest speaker this morning, and um, so my apologies for uh, the vibes of disappointment that I'm, I'm, that's flooding my way this morning, um, but unfortunately, Bron Tate, who's the pastor of a wonderful church called Ramity Beach Church, uh, couldn't be with us for our women's event last night or this morning because they had an uh, unexpected death in their church, so they had a funeral over this weekend, and, uh, and so we've been scurrying around um, <laughs> trying to uh, fill the gaps, but... Um, Again, if you're visiting with us this morning, we uh, we follow the church calendar um, as a matter of just really honouring the wisdom of the church over the years to say that these certain events in the life of Jesus were really key. Um, and so we've journeyed through Lent, building up to the events of Easter weekend. Um, we had an amazing camp uh, as a church family, which seems like a long time ago, um, remembering the cross, encountering God in a fresh way. Last week we looked at the Ascension, and today we're going to be exploring uh, Pentecost. Um, it could be said like this, the Advent was God with us, uh, the Easter was God for us, and Pentecost is God in us. And so we're going to look at that afresh uh, this morning. What's particularly cool about the church calendar over over the events of Easter uh, and through to now is that they actually, they're the same time as, uh, as the disciples went through it. So like uh, camp was 50 days ago, if you're wondering. Uh, and, uh, and so then after uh, Easter, uh, there was 40 days where Jesus was teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And I've joked about this a lot, but the, the disciples would have paid quite a bit of attention with the resurrected Jesus, I'm sure. Uh, and he kind of really helped them kind of tie all of the scriptures together and about what God was doing, what his kingdom was about. And so for 40 days, he did that. And then last Sunday, we looked at the Ascension, but that was three days after we should have. Ascension, it was actually Ascension Thursday, which is a huge festival in Europe. Uh, it's up there with uh, Christmas and Easter and all that sort of thing. But in the Western church, uh, it's just we kind of overlook it a whole lot, but it's hugely important. If you want to know why, please listen to last week's talk. Um, but uh, uh, Jesus ascended and he says, go to, the, go to Jerusalem and uh, wait and I will give the Holy Spirit. So again, just think, of, think about camp, about how far you know, back that felt like. That's how long it's been for the disciples until the moment now today where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church for the first time. And, uh, and it's the birth, birthday of the church. Yay, happy birthday church. It's like this is when the whole thing kicks off. Um, and I find it interesting. They go to Jerusalem, they wait for 10 days, and, uh, and it's, you know, they're kind of in this room and they're praying because Jesus said, you know, go and just and pray and wait. And, uh, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, we know, for most of us that have grown up in the church, we know what happens in Acts chapter 2 when the, when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. I'm going to, in a second, oh, I'm going to get my clicker. In a second, I'm going to um, read out that passage, which should be familiar. Now, but these guys didn't know what the Holy Spirit being poured out was going to look like. And I can guarantee you on day eight of that waiting in the upper room and the praying. A, I'm sure the prayer meeting would have lost a little bit of steam by then. Uh, and secondly, uh, if it was me, it's like, you know, Peter just sneezed. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit. Wasn't that wonderful? Okay, let's go to Mecca's, you know. It's like uh, they, they had no idea what, what it was going to be like. Um, and then we read these very dramatic words. And I feel like I'm a bit further back today. I can't see the screens. Uh, in Acts chapter 2. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, 
and, the, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A couple of things there. Number one, I love that they were sitting. Again, classic hallmark of a prayer meeting that's got a bit quiet. It's like no longer marching around, shooty under, kuri under, let's go, go, go. In fact, the tongues thing obviously was not going to happen at that point either, but slight <laughs> theological issue on that one. Uh, but they were sitting. Uh, and then at the sound of, uh, of a violent wind. And I just can you imagine that, you know, just like... You know, like Pentecostal preachers sometimes use the microphone to give everyone a bit of a fright. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they blow. I've been in those sort of meetings. Uh, and, it, and it's like this, but it's that sound of this, like this, like we've had a windy week in the bay. And it's like this, this violent sound in the room. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared on, among them and a, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This very dramatic moment where, again, it's important this happens because of the ascension. Now God comes and it's like God is in you. The power of God is in you. And uh, I, I love this. I mean, um, Jesus, I, under, I can appreciate why he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't do anything naughty, right? That's pretty impressive. Uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit's poured out on us Muppets, that's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, only God knows how naughty you really are, right? Only God knows how naughty you And he pours out his Spirit. He puts the treasure in the jars of clay. His powers made perfect in weakness. The most beautiful gift he could give us, the, the, the presence of God coming and residing in me and in you. That's amazing to empower us to, to be filled with His very presence, that we would carry that into the world. Amazing. What I want to look at this morning are some of the biblical images, the biblical pictures to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. And as we go through some of these pictures, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit Himself will give you revelation about maybe one of these angles where it's like, I need some more of that. I need some more of that. And then at the end of the, serv- the sermon, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit afresh to come. We sung it. Uh, the Holy Spirit's already here filling us, ministering to us. It's so cool. Um, but we're going to say more, Lord. Fill us afresh. Fill us with more. And there might be one of these angles in particular. We like, I-, I think I need that. Uh, and this, is, um, this has been a bit of a, a week of me scrambling and scratching to get a sermon together because I wasn't expecting to be preaching. Uh, so these, uh, this sermon's heavily influenced <coughs> uh, by uh, a wonderful uh, uh, speaker called Jay Jong, who's from the UK, and a friend of mine called Mike Pulavachi, who I adore, uh, who's, um, and I just devoured a whole bunch of their stuff. So again, and the recipe uh, is, is 90%, um, those two, and 10% Harvey. So uh, let's have a look at some of these. Every week I'm saying that at the moment. <laughs> Whatever, I'm here to regurgitate for the glory of God. So, um, lovely imagery there. So, uh, so let's have a look. Wind. Uh, so let's have a look at the first imagery, wind. A divine wind uh, was there uh, in that room. And it was, that wind was present at the creation of the universe. God's breath brought life to Adam, Genesis 2, verse 7. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus in John 3, verse 8, he says, The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone who is born of the Spirit. And as we read in Acts 22, verse 2, a sound like the rush of a violent wind came into that wind, and they were filled with, um, with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit. 
So this wind uh, speaks of, of the invigorating, life-giving presence of God. I did some Googling uh, this week in, in my, my deep research for this talk, and I discovered that uh, I literally Googled, what would happen if there was no wind? Because I'm from Wellington, and like I despise the wind. I love the Hawke's Bay because it's a lot less windy than Wellington, though you wouldn't know it this week. Uh, but it's like, you know, whenever it gets really windy, it reminds me of, of nasty old horrible Wellington, and with the fact it's always blowing, and it literally will drive you crazy. And I'm like, why can't we just have some still, you know, this is why I love the Hawks Bay, particularly that summer, it's just glorious, there's heaven on earth, like, again, this is podcast, and it's, it's live across the world, but it's like, it's the best kept secret, the Hawks Bay, the climate here, right, it's unreal, and it's like, because, it, and, and partly, it just, that wind does, doesn't blow like it does in Wellington, I love it, but it turns out that if there was no wind, everything would die, <laughs> It turns out that literally everything would die if there was no wind. It's what, because uh, everything would dry up. The wind carries the moisture around and the wind helps pollinate things and bring life to things. And so there's this imagery, this metaphor uh, of, uh, of wind. It's, it's there, it brings life. It's like the breath of God. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning is He wants to bring us to life. Like if you're feeling a bit like ho-hum, there's that sense like of His Spirit coming and it's like woof. There's that sense of wind blowing life into your very being. Um, I want to just, on this whole uh, metaphor of wind, just clear up a little misconception I hear sometimes from my seriously charismatic uh, Pentecostal friends. Um, and that's that there's this kind of thing I hear quite often where it's like this desire where the Holy Spirit would come into our churches um, and just take control. And it would just like, and it would just blow down all the structures because they're man-made, what we just need is the Holy Spirit to take over completely, right? I don't know if you guys have heard that sort of thing before. Can I just say it's just really just not a biblical image at all? Um, in the same way that any, uh, oh no, I don't want to go down a rabbit warren, Lord help me. Um, oh, thank you for the prayers that are firing it through. Somebody help him, Lord, stay on track. Like there, there can be a destructive wind, which is like a tornado or something. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's wind is something that's breathed into structures. So, for example, in Genesis, we see that the world was chaos and the Spirit of God's hovering over the waters. And out of that, God brings structure and order and day and night and all of, this, all of the beautiful natural systems that we are a part of today. When God breathes the breath of life into that first human, He breathes it into a structure. He breathes it into a kit and to a basket that would hold His presence. And, um, and it's the same today. The Holy Spirit breathes life into structures and systems. That's what He does. He loves doing that. Now, can systems and structures get in the way of the Holy Spirit and quench the movement? Yes, they can. We can get in the way and we love doing that all the time. But can I just say, the Holy Spirit delights in coming into structured and ordered lives. Chaos is not a friend of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Paul talks about that in, um, uh, in, uh, in the epistles where he's trying to tell the churches, hey, don't go cray-cray here. There's this sense of order and structure and the Holy Spirit comes in there and breathes life to it. Now, are there times when the Holy Spirit just takes over? Yes, He can do that. Uh, but I've, in my experience in many years of ministry and hungering after more things of God, it's the exception, not the rule. We go to a prayer meeting, he meets us there. We come to a church service, he meets us there. I have a time set apart for devotional practices, he meets me there. It's like he loves having this framework in which he comes and he breathes his life. And all of this would be dead without the ministry of the Spirit. Like we don't, I love that prayer at the start. We have not come here to be entertained. 
Honestly, if you came here to be entertained, you'll be very disappointed. There'll be stuff to laugh at for the most part, but it's like it's a pretty wobbly ship. At the end of the day, it's the spirit that comes into this this weird mishmash of a church thing and brings life. Okay? So this morning we open afresh our hearts. We open the basket of our lives, the framework of our lives, and say, Lord, breathe your spirit afresh upon this. The second metaphor is that of fire. Um, God was referred to as a consuming fire in Daniel 4.25, Isaiah 33, verse 14. And uh, John the Baptist in Luke 3.16 says, I baptize with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it says, When the Spirit came, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. At, at, at Pentecost, the Spirit ignites the fire that Jesus came to kindle. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses. Uh, Jesus, the light of the world, uh, he's saying to the disciples, I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you become the light, that you carry my light into the world. Living flames going out into the world to spread the good news of Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. There's that sense we are um, to burn for Jesus. I love it. I love it. I love it. We're to burn for Jesus. Now, how often does that flame start flickering and getting a bit weak and wobbly, right? How, I mean, we leak. Like, we leak all the time. Our, our little, the little pilot light of our little starting to get a bit wobbly when you replace the gas cylinder and all the rest of it. Uh, and this is why in the Greek, whenever it comes to the Holy Spirit, the, the, the tense there is con- present continuous. Be filled, continue to be filled. We continually need to come back to that place. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh and set my life on fire for you again. We need to keep coming back. Some of us uh, perhaps need the Holy Spirit as fire, but because A, it, it, it makes life pretty exciting, but B, there's, there's a purifying aspect to the fire. Some of us, we need cleansing. We get ourselves a bit dirty. Our minds are maybe a bit dirty. We need the cleansing presence of the fire of the Holy Spirit to come and purify us and cleanse us. Now, I don't say that to make anyone feel stink. I'm as red-bladed as the next guy. Uh, and it's like, I, I know what, it, what it's like all the time. So I need your cleansing. I need your cleansing. And, uh, and you know, here's the, the reality. The Holy Spirit will convict but the Holy Spirit convicts so that he can cleanse. He convicts and he cleanses. His desire is not to make you feel stink. His desire is to make you feel whole. But sometimes we have to feel a bit stink about the reality of, of where we're at, the choices we've made. He comes and he convicts. And, um, and we, we need a holy church in this day and age that would shine like a light in a very dark world. But we don't do that by guilting each other and, and condemning each other. And we do that by saying, Holy Spirit, cleanse me, purify me. I, and, we, and we respond with humility to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes and cleanses and we're made like new again. Isn't that great news? Isn't it? And with, that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's why we take communion every single week as we keep coming back to the table saying, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you not, that you're not grudging in giving it. You delight in giving it. It's your heart's desire. It's where you orientate yourself. It's your delight to come into broken, messy people and cleanse us so that we'll be whole again. Amen? Hallelujah. Hmm. Okay, let's keep moving. Water. 
poured out like water. Uh, uh, another image of the Holy Spirit is this thing of water. And Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, I will pour water on the thirsty land. Uh, and streams on the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And Psalm 42 verses 1 to 2 says, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And uh, John 14, uh, John 4, uh, 13 to 14, Jesus said to this woman, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, talking about real water, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Uh, I, there's something about the Holy Spirit that satisfies the deepest longings in our heart. It's like, oh, this is what I, my soul's been looking for. And we, our souls go looking for it in lots of different places. If, if I just get that gadget, then I'll be happy. If I just get that new car, then I'll be happy. If I just get that girlfriend, then I'll be happy. If I marry that girl, then I'll be happy. And I am. Uh, it's, I'm very happy. Uh, but there's something about the Holy Spirit <laughs> That satisfies the deepest longings of our soul. And we see a society just desperately trying to, to drink from anything that will, and it just it doesn't satisfy. And uh, the Holy Spirit's available to us and will satisfy us. Um, a, a number of months ago, I went on a tramp with, uh, with my son Eli. And um, it was my first tramp in a long time, but I was like, I really want to have some kind of precious key moments with my son. And, um, and, and Jen had been encouraging me to do some stuff like that. And so we went out for this tramp. And on the drive there, we had two water bottles filled up, but on the drive there, one of them, unbeknownst to us, tipped over, I'm blaming Eli, and spilt everywhere. And so we get to the car park, and it's like, oh, we've just got one bottle of water. And I'm like, okay, so I'm sure that there'll be a tap somewhere or whatever. Now, now the tramp that we're on was right next to the river, what's the river, Luke, that I was walking on? Huh? The Mohaka. And, uh, but the problem was that my dad had gone fly fishing with Luke uh, a couple of weeks earlier, got thirsty, drunk from whatever river you guys were in, and got really sick, like violently ill. Now, Luke's not sure that it was the river. In fact, he's pretty sure it wasn't. And I think after talking to dad about what he ate on the way home and all the rest of it, it probably wasn't the river either. But I was a bit nervous about uh, drinking from the river. And it was a stinking hot day. So this is like half an hour in. Um, that's me. Uh, I'm just, I am sick. So I'm swimming like anything. Eli just like stuff it. I'm in the river. And so he's having to swim. This is like only half an hour in. And I'm like, and I'm looking at this little water bottle. And I'm looking at the river and I'm just like, oh no, like this isn't going to go well. Like, but I'm trying to act all like I've got it, you know, like I've done this a thousand times to my son because I don't want to freak him out. The fact that we've got very limited amount of water and a long way to go. Uh, and so we keep walking along and we didn't drink any river water. But, but really quickly, just because we're so thirsty, because it was so hot, we're spitting so much, uh, our water disappeared. And I'll never forget, about an hour and a half in, we're walking up some really steep um, hill, and we get to the crest, and I'm like, we've got no water. And I maybe I prayed, I don't know, for the sake of the sermon, or maybe I prayed, I'm not sure. I definitely was concerned, so God would have got that vibe. So like, uh, so I got across the crest of the hill, and literally on the track, in the middle of the track, is this Kathmandu water bottle, a big one-litre one, just sitting, I wish I'd taken a photo, just sitting in the track, just in the middle of the track. And I'm like, 
this is unreal. This is like from heaven. This is incredible. And then I was like, you know, obviously it was dropped out of someone's backpack or an angel's deposited it, whatever way. I don't care because I'm like, I need this water. Uh, and we hadn't seen a tramper for a long, long time. So I thought, I'm going to have a little bit of the water. <laughs> and if we see another tramper, uh, then we'll say, is this your water bottle or whatever? But we didn't, which is awesome. And so we had this whole full bottle of Now, I actually think it was from the river. It tasted a little bit like river water. At that point... I didn't care less. I was like, we're going to drink this sucker till it's dry. And me and Neil are like, isn't God good? This is awesome. I'm so happy you got this water. And then as I was going through it, I was like, this is going to be an awesome sermon illustration one day. I couldn't turn that side of my head off. Um, But the, the thing that I was reflecting on is like, the reality was that water was fine in the Mohakata drink. Like it was, it turns out when we got to the cabin, it was just river water in the tanks anyway. It was rainwater, river water. It was just like everyone's just drinking there and it was clean, it was fine to drink. So we're smashing that back after that point. It was like sweet as it's hit that water hard. Uh, but but here's the thing: that water was just always like we walked along the river. The, the water was always there. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us and it will satisfy us. J. Jong says this, only the Holy Spirit can quench our thirst because only the Holy Spirit can fill us with the love of God. Only the Holy Spirit can quench our thirst because only the Holy Spirit can fill us with the love of God. And Paul talks about the filling not just being like a grudging little bit of filling. It's filling to overflow. It's abundant provision of the revelation of how loved you are by God. And that's what satisfies us. When we allow the Holy Spirit into that part of our life, then we are satisfied. And then all the things that we often look to to fill those needs in our life can find their proper place. Most of them aren't bad things. They're just not things that are going to ever be able to fill the gap that's in our heart that only Jesus' love can fill. When that becomes our identity, it's healing, it sets us free, and it's the journey of our life that we would have that revelation continually of how precious and loved we are by God, and that comes as the Holy Spirit brings that revelation to us. I, I want to pray this morning that the Holy Spirit will be poured onto us like water. It would be like overflowing for us. The, the next image is this image of oil. oil. Oil and the Holy Spirit are associated in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed, uh, anointed him. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Uh, and so there's this anointing for ministry the Holy Spirit gives us. And, and we may find that this morning, often I find that as we, there'll be certain times in my ministry life where someone says, you know, for people that feel called to serve the poor and you'll just feel this anointing rest on. There's people called to be evangelists. There'll be the sense of the anointing of God. I've literally felt it like drip down. People called to pastor, people called to, to shepherd and to care for others, people called to, be, uh, to move in the things of the prophetic, to bring encouragement. And as, as you say those sorts of things, there's this thing of like, oh, the anointing of God for ministry. But also the anointing is there for healing. In John 5.14, it says, Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them and anoint the, uh, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. One of the things that me and Jen have on our carryings is uh, this little vial of anointing 
anointing oil from Israel, thank you Elsa, uh, that, uh, that we carry around with us. And we do this regularly. We anoint people uh, with this anointing oil just, and, it, and it represents, it's not magic oil, it's symbolic of the anointing oil of the Spirit to bring healing. There may be physical healing, that may be inner healing. In Mark 16 verse 13, the disciples were anointed, it says, and many people were healed. In Acts 10 verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He was anointed. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 21, have, have I lost you? Yep. Uh, nope, that's oh, whatever. Um, but it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us by putting his seal on us and giving his spirit in our hearts as a first installment. And, uh, and so this, uh, again, after uh, uh, the sermon, we'd love to invite you uh, to receive prayer. Jen, this is Jen's favorite thing in the world to do, is to pray for healing for people. She's got an anointing on her life to pray for healing. And so she'll be in the corner at the end of the service. Do you want to get ready for that? And, uh, and you can uh, receive prayer from my caring and Jen. The dove. Uh, the dove is another symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The dove is a symbol of purity and a symbol of peace. Again, thanks to Google, I've discovered that uh, the dove's the only bird without a gallbladder. So it doesn't keep toxins in its body. Uh, and so it's the symbol of purity and a symbol of peace. And uh, even this morning as we're worshipping and, uh, and we're singing that beautiful song, Wairua Tapu, it was tangible, like the peace of God. I just, I just love it. I love how it's that the dove, it's like just, oh, the peace. Because, man, we live, just the world's accelerating and it's stressful and it's full on. And I don't know what you've got going on in your lives that's just, you know, at the forefront and all that. And you come into this environment and it's come Holy Spirit. And, and then I totally get why David in the Psalms always like, oh, God, you're a refuge. You're a refuge. You're hide in the cleft of the rock or under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. It's like, oh, my circumstances haven't changed, but the Holy Spirit's here and I have peace. And I have peace. And it heals us and it restores us. So there's a whole bunch of the different biblical images uh, of, of what the Holy Spirit does. And there may be one that um, speaks to you in particular. Um, and those, uh, those images, again, uh, are that of, uh, of wind and of fire and of water and of oil. But the supreme uh, job of the Holy Spirit, like the number one thing on the Holy Spirit's job description uh, is to reveal uh, the Father and the Son. This is the, the, like, this is the number one thing the Holy Spirit uh, uh, loves doing. This is what He's all about, to reveal the Father and the Son. And not in an academic way. I'm all over the academic stuff. I, I just think it's so important. We love God with all of our mind. It's the richest you know, journey we could take is diving into deep stuff and discovering the glory of God academically. I'm all over it. But what the Holy Spirit does is uh, it's, not a, it's not a head knowledge. It's, uh, it's an experience. It's to know Him in your knower. It's to feel His embrace, to touch Him with His heart and to know His heart touching us. 
That's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. And you'll see in some of these scriptures, uh, Galatians 4 verse 6, and because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So that sense of the Holy Spirit come and, uh, and bring a revelation that He's your heavenly Father. He's not just a God up there. He's not just, He's like a heavenly Father. He's your heavenly Father. Uh, there's an identical passage in Romans 8. He reveals the Father's heart. And then Jesus says in John 16 about the Spirit, He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. And listen, He will glorify me because He will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will come and it will bring revelation like, oh my gosh, this is what Jesus is like. Oh, this is who you are, Jesus. It's incredible. You can know all these things about Jesus, but this isn't about knowing what He did, but knowing His heart, knowing who He really is. Um, There's a book, uh, uh, I love an amazing book uh, called Gentle and Lowly that I've been working my way through. And, um, and I've quoted it a few times. I think I've got this quote here. Listen to this. Yes, Jesus, he is, the, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament hopes and longings, Matthew 5, 17. Yes, he is the one whose holiness causes even his friends to fall down in fear, aware of their sinfulness, Luke 5, verse 8. Yes, he is a mighty teacher, one whose authority outstripped even that of the religious PhDs of the day, Mark 1, 22. To diminish any of these is to step outside of vital historic orthodoxy. But the dominant note left ringing in our ears after reading the Gospels, the most vivid and arresting element of the portrait is the way the Holy Son of God moves toward, touches, heals, embraces, and forgives those who least deserve it yet truly desire it. Oh, that's awesome. Those who least deserve it yet truly desire it. Now, I read that and some of you are like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's cool. Sounds good. Pretty eloquent little cat there you've got reading. It's pretty sweet. Some of you want to just tear off your clothes and run around just going, that is unbelievable that you want to yahoo. It's that terrible image, sorry. You want to, you just, like you just, it just overwhelms you. And, and the difference is, it's the Holy Spirit revealing this is what Jesus is like. This is what He's like. Here's another example. In Revelation 3.17, Jesus, through John the prophet, is, is speaking to churches that He loves. And he's saying things like, and in Revelation 3.17, he hits up the church of Laodicea. Laodicea are like, oh yeah, we're all good. We're all like, we're a sweet little church. And then this is like, Jesus is like, here's the true state of the church of Laodicea. You are wretched, pitiable, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Have I got this up here? Oh, yes, I do. So this is what Jesus, so that's a bit of a heavy challenge. Am I correct? Like we're hoping Jesus doesn't say that to the Church of Bay Vineyard here in the Hawks Bay. It's like you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Like that's a challenging word. That's that's he's he's saying to the church, hey, you got you got you are not who you think you are. You've got to wake up to what's really going on here. But then just a few verses later. In uh, Revelation uh, 3 verse 20, he says, Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Get your head around this. Jesus is saying, 
Church of Laodicea, Church of Bay Vineyard Church, I'm standing at the door and knocking. You are a church that is pitiful, wretched, poor, blind and naked. And what am I doing? I'm standing on the door of your hearts, knocking, saying, I want to come in and eat with you. I want to eat with you. You're poor, you're blind, you're naked, you're wretched, you're all kinds of a mess. And I want to come and eat with you. How beautiful is that? How amazing is that? I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I'm the wretched, poor, blind, naked, well, thankfully not literally today, uh, messed up guy. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings that revelation. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that revelation. It's funny. Honestly, I notice this every week. I'm preaching. I'll be preaching my little guts out. And I can just see some people are a bit bored or a bit disengaged. It's not really moving them. And that's fine. I'm not the world's best communicator. I know that. Um, And then I look at some people and they're weeping. And they're just weeping and they're barely holding it together. And what's the difference? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not my preaching. It's not my preaching. (laughs) We all know that. It's not my preaching. It's the Holy Spirit bringing revelation. Because people who least deserve it but truly desire it are saying, I need to find out what you're like. I need to know who you are. And 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 that's the hungry. It's the humble. Um, and honestly, this week I haven't had a great week um, on my devos. You know, like we have our upper click meeting every Thursday. And I'm the pastor of Bay Vineyard Church. I'm the senior pastor, which uh, I'm whatever. Um, doesn't mean anything and it's a weird title, but whatever. But I can, if I want to, I could say I'm the senior pastor of Bay Vineyard. Now, the senior pastor of Bay Vineyard Church should probably be a great example to the upper click boys around the standard that should be set on our devotional lives. And, and for... <laughs> And for many weeks, I'm pretty good. <laughs> Not this week. Not this week. And it's like, oh, no, I have to go on Thursday. I've got to go to Thursday, and I've got to be honest because I'm, I promised the boys I wasn't going to pretend I was somebody I'm not, and I desperately don't want to be a Pharisee. So I get there on Thursday, and I'm like, guys, probably one of the worst weeks of the year for my devos. Why? Oh, I've got all the excuses in the world. We've had a very big month pastorally. I was emotionally very caught up in what was, you know, in Harney with the funeral and stuff, and I was very, very tired after that. And I ran a half marathon, and I was really, really tired from that, and I'm really, really tired. And then I had plans for a really good recovery Monday, but then Asher selfishly got sick, and, and Jen has to work on Monday. Monday mornings, and so my whole plans to you know get win the week and get back on top of things and fill my tank didn't happen at all. And so then I just got grumpy and I got grumpy at Jen and I got grumpy at Jesus and I got grumpy at everyone. And now here on Thursday morning, and I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm a little bit behind on my Bible in a year and I'm not very. And I'm going to preach this Sunday and I'm like this, it's the worst. And it's oh, thank you, Lord. Treasure in jars of clay. Power made perfect in weakness. It's not about how holy I am. It's about how holy he is. And he just comes. And he's like, and he just keeps reminding us. He keeps reminding us that even when guest speakers had to have to bail and I'm the backup person, <laughs> that it's not about how good the preacher is. It's how, how generous our Heavenly Father is to pour out the Holy Spirit on anyone who would want him. Anyone. And so as I've been preparing, I was preparing on Thursday after upper click and, uh, in my confession session and... Um, and then I caught up in my Bible in a year and, um, and I was preaching, I was preparing this and I was just overwhelmed with the kindness of God. Just overwhelmed. I was like, oh my gosh, it's not about, it's not about me. Um, and I was like, if there's anything I want to model to the church, it's that, and if, honestly, if there's any, we took Harney's funeral and, and any time there's a funeral, you're like, that's going to be me one day. I wonder what they'll say. I wonder what they'll say. And Jen, just for the record, 
If there's anything, because with our history of heart disease in the family, most likely I'll be first. So if there's anything uh, that um, I'd like to, to be known for, it's that I just kept returning to Jesus time and time again. I just kept returning to Jesus. When I wandered, I would come back. And I, would, I learned to run to the one who could make me clean. And Sam wasn't perfect. Jen will probably say that. but um, And he made mistake after mistake after. It's all right, Jen. <laughs> but he kept coming back. His, his sin propelled him towards God, not away from him. He kept asking, seeking, and knocking for the things of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to be known for. That's it. Like that's all I've got. That's, that's what I'm, I had great dreams of being a minor Christian celebrity in my 20s. Now I just, I'm settling for this. He just kept choosing Jesus, and he, even when he was a real Muppet. And so how do we be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit? It's not about deserving it. It's about desiring the Holy Spirit. It's about desiring it. I want it. God, and, and sometimes we even need the Holy Spirit to help us, where it's like, God... I want it, but I don't really want it. Can you help me want it? <laughs> like literally sometimes it's like, I, don't, I, I know I need this, but I don't really want it. So God, can you help me? Can you give me your spirit to, to create in me even a fresh hunger for the things of your spirit? He loves doing, answering even those kind of very trippy prayers that you need a flow diagram to even work out. Um, God, I, I want it. I love Mike Pilavacci said this. He said, Christianity is not a self-improvement program. It's a death and resurrection program. It's a death and resurrection program. It's like literally just saying it's you, Jesus, first. It's you first, and then all that change comes. I believe he leads us into life in all of its fullness. But how does that happen? Not through self-improvement, through death and resurrection. I'm yours. I yield to you. I surrender to you. I want you. I want to orientate my life around you. I want you to be Lord of my, of my life. I want to pursue your presence and your kingdom because it's not about me. It's about you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want to die to myself. And paradoxically, that's where we find the true life. That's when we come fully alive. There's a mystery in it. But we become like Jesus and we find life in all of its fullness. And so how are we filled? We just simply ask. Jesus uh, told a, a wonderful story uh, where he's, he says, you know, um, about this, you know, how much more, uh, he's, he talks about this little story about, you know, which of you, if your son asks for, uh, you know, for an egg, will give him a scorpion or ask for, you know, so this kind of wonderful little story about how good the father's heart is. You'll keep discovering it as you go through your Christian journey. He gets better and better as you discover more, more of him. And he's like, how much more does your Father in heaven want to give the Spirit to those who ask him? But before that, he says, ask, seek, and knock. It's there for anyone that asks, seeks, and knocks. And, um, and so there's a, there's a little bit of a mystery in that for me. I don't, I don't get it because there's no formula. I wish there was. Like Honestly, I could sell so many books and I would indeed become a minor Christian celebrity if I could work out the formula of how every person in your church can get radically filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no formula. He's a wind. He blows. And, it's like, and sometimes you see, and even in the seasons of the church, this wind of the Spirit and there's this fresh, and we're praying for that. Uh, you know, like just a fresh wind of your Spirit in our churches. Um, and there's other times where it's like, seems a little still God right now would love it. Another, we need a bit more wind. And it's like that in our lives sometimes. It's like, woo. And then other times it's like, oh, and it's ask, seek, and knock. And I say this because I want to pray this morning, especially for those that are like, I don't know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Or I don't know, I don't know, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like a bit of an atheist from the neck down or whatever. And it's like, just struggle to feel the, the, the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to pray for you this morning. Um, because my story is that 
Um, I grew up in a very charismatic Anglican church. It was very rich, very healthy, very theologically. It was just a solid place to, for, to pursue the things of the Holy Spirit, like I hope this place is. And, uh, and, so, and there was a real move of God in the 90s, uh, and our church was really caught up in it. I felt nothing. And I would go up to the front and, and like, I should have, I've got photos, I should have scanned one. I, I was like, no, it's a bit much. But I literally got photos of a tent on a youth meeting where just everyone's on the ground filled with the Holy Spirit and there's like me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hello, X marks the spot, like you missed a guy, you know. And then I, you know, and, and I promise you, it was years between uh, the ages of about uh, 14 to 17, uh, which again, Three, it's not a long time in the context of my life now, but at that stage, it was a large chunk of my life was spent going, where are you? <laughs> like, and so then I thought maybe if I fall over and I help the Holy Spirit, you know, that will just get the kind of kickstart the engine or something, you know, and trying to help him out a little bit. And so I faked it till I made it and I never made it, you know, and I was like, what's going on here? Uh, and so, but I was like, I'm determined. I'm just going to keep asking, seeking and knocking because I want this. I don't want some like academic um, Christianity, and I don't want some culture Christianity where I'm just part of the crew. I want a Holy Spirit-filled Christianity because if that's what's on offer, I want it all. And so I just would keep going up to these meetings and keep responding to articles. And I was like, screw my pride, I want it. And some of you need to get to that point. Screw my pride, I want it. So I just come up and just was like, I'm hungry for this. Um, and I got to the point where I started to get sceptical. I was like, Maybe this is all just like group think and everyone's acting a little crazy because there's a very charismatic guy up the front helping people out and creating conditions where we all get a bit weird or whatever. I don't know. Like, I just started getting a bit scared. And so I came to this point where I was like, I will follow you, Jesus, because I believe, I actually do, I've had enough to know that you're worth following. I got that. But I'm not, I'm going to be skeptical about all this Holy Spirit mumbo jumbo. Uh, you know, that's cool. Now, I wasn't threatening God, just to become like, because again, that's not going to be my book. Threaten God, and he might, you know, eventually go, oh, you better give him something. Um, it was just this genuine, I was like, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to be desperately honest with God around where I'm at, because I can see in the Psalms he loves that. And, and, and it wasn't like God answered the prayer, but then there was one, this meeting where it all happened. And I came up the front, and it was like, fill me Holy Spirit. And people were praying for me, and I felt nothing. And I was like, here we go again. And I was like, I'm going to wait here until something. And I don't know how long I waited. Um, teenage brain tells me it was a long time. It was probably 10 minutes. Uh, and it was like, and all of a sudden, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was unbelievable. It was radical. It was like all those metaphors uh, dialed up to 11. It was like oil and water and fire and rain and wind and the whole enchilada and every element under the sun just unleashed. And supremely, it felt like there was a love laser from heaven that was just smoking every atom in my being. And it was like liquid love. And some, if some of you know the story, but, uh, you've heard this before, but it's my story around how I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's like, and the embarrassing part of it is that I did, I, I lay down because I just, it was, I was really overwhelmed and it, the standing wasn't an option. And I do remember just yelling, I'm not faking it at the, <laughs> at the top of my lungs with absolute joy because <laughs> it's all kinds of weird. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was just waves of love. It was like waves of love, of liquid love all over me. And, um, and I haven't had an experience that intense since. But from that moment, including in this very moment, I can sense the Holy Spirit with real clarity, 
with, with, with ease. It's just like, oh, I'm just filled with this, the sense of the Holy Spirit. And Dane C. Ortland in that book, he says, the Holy Spirit turns the recipe into actual taste. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He turns the recipe into actual taste. Continually be filled. And so I want to invite us this morning just to, to, uh, to say yes to that once more. And for us to say, yes, I want to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are some warnings in the Scripture. Uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Acts 7, verse 51 says, Do not resist the Holy Spirit. There's this, there's this, there's this kind of like, the ball is in your court. You can say no. And that's okay. God will always respect our free will. But can I implore you this morning to say it's worth it. It's worth asking, seeking, knocking. It's worth saying yes to the things of the Spirit. Uh, and um, we, we obviously do Pentecost every year uh, where we do a whole talk on this stuff. But every Sunday, come Holy Spirit. We open our hearts, fill us afresh. And you know in the meetings, it's lovely what God does. But you know tomorrow morning, you can wake up, come Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. You can be walking the dog. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Continually be filled. That we practice to be filled consistently with the presence of God. 